the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Just a representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Today with Dina Arnett in studio. Hello, Dina. Welcome. Glad you're here. Good morning. It's good to see you today. And then... uh, I don't know the name of the other individual guest over there next to Bob, but we have a cutest guest ever. <laughs> cutest guest ever. Yep, yep, yep. I was going to say, Bob, you've changed, but uh, you really haven't. Oh, no, just kidding. I love you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to Larry Rosenthal Show. And Dina, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're just going to talk about all things market, all things economy. Every day I hear more and more talk of the R word. Recession. Oh, word, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And for the people who are joining us on YouTube, you'll be able to see a few little graphics that I've put together to kind of lead the conversation along. So if we've got people who are listening and have the ability to switch on over to YouTube, Chris, how do they do that? Uh, they go to LarryRosenthal.tv. That's the one. Yep. Thank you. And then they'll be able to see us in our wonderful live broadcast color. So to speak. Yeah, how about that? How about that? A wild week for stocks, but mostly a good one. Stocks mm-hmm. across the globe were up because markets are actually expecting that the the gro- uh, the slowing economic growth and the increasing recession risks are going to mean that the Fed and other central banks don't have to raise interest rates as much as they had once thought. So the market viewed that as a real positive thing. In fact, here in the United States, all three major indices were up for the week. The Dow gained almost 2%. The S&P gained 25 The NASDAQ was the big winner for the week, gaining 3.33% for the week. All major indices are still down for the year. The Dow is down 12.2%. The S&P is down 168 And the tech-heavy NASDAQ still down a little over 24% for the year. So you may be listening to these numbers and thinking, well, you know, 
gosh, I, I've been looking at my portfolio and I'm, I'm down more than the S&P is down right now. Why? Well, it could be due to a number of things. If you're in a portfolio of primarily mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, it could be that you are very heavily weighted toward those technology NASDAQ-type stocks. And if that's the case, the portfolio is going to be down a little bit more than the S&P. Not a big deal at this stage. Um, I, I think that uh, eventually all of this will come back. But if it's a tough ride, you may want to have your advisor analyze the different sectors in the portfolio and the risk relative to the market just so that you understand if maybe you're a little overexposed. If you don't have someone who can do that for you, we certainly can. Other economic indicators this week, the, the, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note, and this is a, a very important metric because we watch the movements of the 10-year Treasury to help us determine what to expect in the economy moving forward. And the yield on the U.S. Treasury declined by 15 basis points, 0.15% to 2.75%. So what we know is that when the yield on the Treasury goes down, that means people are buying Treasuries and forcing the prices up. The price goes up, the yield goes down. A barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude was very little change this week, still at $97 a barrel. And volatility actually went down this week. When we measure volatility, we use this thing called the VIX. And the higher the number, the more volatile. It fell to 21 from 24 and a half just about a week ago. So we're in this, what I would would characterize as a transition phase in the market. We may be transitioning toward a recessionary environment, and maybe we won't have a recession. So I want to spend some time today talking about that. Across the globe, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest financial surprises of the week is that the European Central Bank actually surprised markets all over the globe by raising interest rates a half a percent. They also went further to say that they will consider future hikes as they have meetings in the future. This was their first interest rate increase since 2011. So it's been 11 years for, for them. The developed economies across the world continued to slow during the month of July. We track a, a metric called the Purchasing Managers Index. And in the Eurozone, we call that PMI. In the Eurozone, the composite PMI drop dipped to a 17-month low of 49.4. Anything above 50 is expansionary. In June, it was 52 for the U.K. Um, so we're watching these metrics, and we're watching them all slow down. And what what I get a bit of a giggle about, all the financial talking heads just get really intense. Oh, recession's coming, recession's coming. This is what sky's the central falling. banks, yeah, the sky's falling, not. The central banks across the world are trying desperately to slow down inflation. The, the, the balancing act that they all have to engage in is creating, manufacturing this economic slowdown without tipping us over into recession. Here in the United States, if the Fed raises interest rates too much, too quickly, or they raise interest rates longer than they really need to, they can tip us over into recession. But one of the big things that I want to talk about today is that all recessions don't look the same. I think many of us are still very, very scarred from the 2008 recession because we'd never seen anything like it from 
no, mid-November 2007 until March 2009, the S&P 500 lost almost 50%. We truly did in those days feel like the sky was falling. I don't, if we get a recession coming out of this interest rate cycle, I don't think it looks anything like that. And we're going to talk about why I think that, but I want to, want to bring a few more points out before we go there today. Another metric that we watch is home sales. If I'm looking at the components of our economy, if I'm looking at recessionary indicators, unemployment's a big one. Home, the the housing sector is a big one. And over the past month, the sale of existing homes here in the United States dropped by almost five and a half percent. Well, that was the kibosh on the interest rates, right? When the interest rates, people price themselves out of homes, it gets more expensive to buy a home, you know? Exactly. And what I tell my clients is it's it that's going to be a natural slowdown in the housing sector because you cannot buy as much house at five and a half percent as you could at three. That's basic math. But one of the interesting things that we're seeing right now in the housing sector, despite the decline in sales, the prices continue to go up. The median home price in the United States is four hundred sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't get that. That's interesting. Well, th- you know, it's it's like the dominoes they stack up, right? The housing prices will stay steady and maybe even go up a little bit, partially because we've still got a very low supply of available homes to purchase. Mm-hmm. If that supply were much more plentiful, you'd see the prices come down more quickly. But these high prices and the high borrowing cost this that have led to five consecutive months of falling sales mm-hmm. now. The housing starts in June also dropped by 2.2%, and the sentiment among U.S. home builders also declined to its lowest level since before the pandemic. So what I see here is I see the dominoes lining up for housing prices to come down. We're not quite there yet, but it is coming because the Fed is not going to slow down with interest rate increases until they see that inflation is coming down. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123 is the number to call, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dina Arnett, live in studio here today. The Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, they have a model called GDP Now, and that predicts our GDP, our gross domestic product in real time. And that's very handy for forecasting how the U.S. economy is doing, what's the health of the U.S. economy. We already know that GDP fell in the first quarter of this year. In finance textbooks, in economics textbooks, we are told that two consecutive quarters of falling GDP is a textbook definition of recession. Well, the, the Fed Atlanta's GDP Now model has forecasted that the U.S. economy is going to shrink by 1.6% in the second quarter. If we have these two consecutive quarters of GDP, of falling GDP, that's going to fit the textbook definition of recession. But before you get upset, before you, you run and bury your money in the backyard, <laughs> let me tell you this. There's, a, there's an organization called the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research. This is the group, this is the U.S. organization that declares the recession. 
and they go a little bit further. They're not going to just automatically wave the recession flag because we have these two quarters of falling GDP. They're looking for something a bit broader than that. Their traditional definition of a recession is a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. Mm -hmm. So I just told you housing is still strong. Employment is still quite strong. Those are two big chunks of that whole recession calculation that right now aren't trending recessionary. So stand by because we'll find out at the end of, I think we find out at the end of this month, what GDP was for the second quarter. And if GDP, in fact, declined in the second quarter, I think you'll see the market hitch for a little bit. The market's not going to like it. Or... We could all get a little bit of a surprise, and the market could actually have a positive reaction to that, thinking that the recession talk has already priced that eventuality in. So it's kind of a 50-50 shot. We just don't know yet until it happens, I guess. We don't. Yeah. We don't. And and I will say, I don't. If we if we are, if we are in recession mean right a whole now. Lot, does it? It doesn't. It, it really doesn't. A recession is a slowdown in economic activity. In the United States, we have not had we have not traditionally had recession when we've been at full employment. And right now, the employment numbers are still really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm doubtful that we are in a a true recession. But some things are slowing down, and that is by design. We've got to slow those things down so that we can get inflation under control. So when you see the headlines that the housing market is slowing down, that unemployment is starting to come up a little bit, perhaps corporate earnings won't be as strong. You'll see these things and you might get this really yucky feeling in the pit of your stomach that some sort of financial Armageddon is around the corner. No, it's not. This is a normal part of an economic cycle. Except this time the Fed's having to engineer it on purpose to bring that inflation number down. Yeah, cool the cool the economy off just a little bit. It was running really hot for a while. It was running very, very hot coming out of the pandemic. Uh, the the Fed waited a bit too long to start taking care of interest rates and working with inflation. So it's gonna be a little harder. It's gonna it's gonna take a bit more for them to get this this inflation beast under control. It's not but, an exact science, is it? It's kind of Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. If it were, the Fed would have started working on this a year ago. <laughs> hey, right? 855-767-3123 is our telephone number to call. If you'd like to dial in and talk to Dean Arnett, do so at 855-767-3123. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina in the house here today in just a minute. Stay tuned. listening to making money sense live with larry rosenthal phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123 more making money sense in a moment There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. 
About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Dina Arnett here in the studio, playing the violin. She's very good. I'm impressed. Very, very good, Dina. Very good. This is this is interesting music you've got going this morning. You, you, you know, well, I can't help it if Bob picked out the music this morning. Oh, okay, all right. I did. I was I was unaware of that. No, actually, you didn't. I'm throwing him under the bus, but it's kind of fun to do that now and again. <laughs> again, eight five five seven six seven three one two three is the number to call if you'd like to talk to Dina with any questions you have here today, Dina. We're talking all things economy this morning. So a few more little data points for our listeners. The Fed's going to be meeting this week. And and when they meet, they typically go into a bit of a blackout period where they don't make any commentary in advance of a meeting. But after the 9.1% inflation reading for the month of June, there was some pretty wide speculation that the Fed may actually, at the July meeting, raise interest rates by a full percentage point. The investors uh, in the market listen to that they they ran the story running alerting markets to to a bigger than expected rate hike and after pricing in a full point interest rate hike last week futures markets which are very forward looking that's why they're called futures Mm. the futures market gave a one percent interest rate hike only a 22 percent chance as of yesterday morning so the futures markets are saying yeah probably not a one percent increase i think we're more likely to see that same 75 basis points 0.75 of one percent increase when they meet this week they'll come out wednesday afternoon and they will tell us what they're doing 
This is not a sports car we're talking about. It's like an ocean liner. It takes a long time to turn, and they want to telegraph every move so that people don't get excited and get too crazy. Well, and I think that I, I think that's a good thing. We don't want big shocks to the market right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I personally don't like them ever. Yeah. Um, there have been times historically where somebody has has let slip. Uh, what the Fed was going to do, and and the markets really, really overreacted. Um, we had the thing back in 2016 called the taper tantrum. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, markets were down pretty significantly in a short span of time. Now the good thing is they rebounded just as quickly, but we got a bit of of data that we weren't expecting, and it caused the markets to react sort of on a dime and we don't like that so the fed's doing a good job of of telling us what they're going to tell us markets price it in and act accordingly one of the things we're really watching right now july's the start of the third quarter of the year and with the start of any quarter is the start of what we call earnings season and in earnings season we are looking for the reports of what our s&p 500 companies earned in the previous quarter So right now, S&P 500 companies are reporting their second quarter earnings. We've only got about 21% of them that have reported so far. But in that 21%, we're showing earnings growth running at about 5% compared with this same time a year ago. So if I'm looking at second quarter 2022, I'm comparing it to second quarter 2021, earnings are 5% ahead of where they were this time last year. Still positive. That's a good thing. But it's a smaller number than we're accustomed to seeing. This is part of the slowdown. I see. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Sales rose 10.7%, but there are a number of financial services and technology companies that announced hiring slowdowns or even hiring freezes on their recent earnings calls. So all of this indication of slowdown, not anything to be afraid of. Again, it's what the Fed's trying to do. Well, obviously, things like technology is not; those things aren't going aren't going away. There's always going to be innovation. No. There's always going to be a future there. It's just a matter of where you're investing and watching for the company that you really find is doing well and that you trust and you've done their done your due diligence on. I suppose. Well, it's an interesting time. I was talking with a client yesterday, a very young client. He's got a he's got an IRA with me, and he called and he said, "Miss Dina, is it is it a better time now for me to?" send my deposit for my account. And I told him, it's a wonderful time for you to send the deposit. He said, well, I, I don't understand. He said, the market is so bad right now. Why, why would I want to send money in when the market is so bad? And I said, okay, remember the formula. Mm-hmm. How do you make money in the market? It's a very simple formula. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. Yeah. Guess what you're doing if you make your deposit today? Buying low. You're definitely buying low. Yeah, things are on sale. So, yeah. so for people who are still in the accumulating phase, okay, you're still putting money into your 401k plans. You're still putting money into your kids' 529 plans. You're still investing for the future. This is a humongous opportunity for you. This is this is this is this is quite honestly where the money is made. Yeah, you don't make your best money when the market is going up and you're starting to put in because you've missed the biggest part of the bounce. It's, it's sort of like 
in in physics, if I drop a ball on the ground, that ball hits the ground and bounces back up. It is at its absolute fastest velocity the second it leaves the ground. And it spends the rest of its time in the air going, 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 and then it slows down. Mm -hmm. I want to be in the market when that velocity is at its fastest. What that means is I have to be in the market when it's not fun. I've got to ride that roller coaster down, keep investing my money, keep sending my contributions to my 401k plan because I'm buying more shares at cheaper prices. And then when that market turns, when that market bounces, I've got more shares than if I had been accumulating when the market was doing well. Well, that's kind of the whole uh, dollar cost averaging thing, right? You want to make sure that you're always buying, regardless of whether it's high or low. But then when you do get these low, it's kind of like eh, a little bit on sale. I've got a little extra money. Maybe you ought to pop it in there, right? You know, I'm going to give you a girly girl example. <laughs> Sorry if you don't identify. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things when I first moved to the East Coast, we've got some amazing shopping malls here. Oh, and I had never been to a Bloomingdale's. There's a Bloomingdale's at, at one of the malls here on the East Coast, and I went sh- shoe shopping at Bloomingdale's one day years ago. Shoes, and girls, hmm, wow. How about that? Yeah. And in the very back corner, it was almost a dark corner of Bloomingdale's, there was the clearance rack for all their really nice shoes. And I went back there, and they had all the fancy brands of shoes, and they were marked 30, 40, 50% off. Wow. And I'm looking at them. They're still beautiful shoes. Sure. I'd wear those shoes. Absolutely. Is there something wrong with them because they're 30 or 40% off? Mm-mm. Absolutely not. So if I take that analogy and I, and I bring that over to a market conversation, I can as easily substitute instead of shoes, I can say Amazon stock. Mm-hmm. I can say Home Depot stock. I can name off any of these very, very large companies whose stock prices have really been hurt this year. Amazon stocks down something along the order of 30%. Google, Home Depot, all these other companies, their stock prices have hit a hard time. Does it make them bad companies to invest your money? No, no. They're solid companies. Amazon going out of business? If my husband has anything to say about it, they're not. Not anytime soon, no. Is Home Depot going out of business? <laughs> you know, just ask Bob. He's always buying screwdrivers. You know, no, we're not, uh, not going to see, <laughs> see that happen. So, so when we have times like this in the market, I really I, I encourage our listeners and our viewers to consider this a really neat opportunity to do what I call bottom fishing. Mm-hmm. Let's look for some really, really nice stocks that we want to hold long term, and let's buy them at cheaper prices. That's how you build a portfolio. That's how you build wealth. So underst- and that's how, you, that's how you make good of a time like this. So understanding what companies are good and solid, <laughs> um, I mean, that's somebody we, have, we talk to you about understanding balance sheets and things mm-hmm. like that because that's what you do, right? You kind of evaluate companies. That's probably Absolutely. the best way to go forward. We can't always just rely on, ah, well, everybody's buying that. My friend said it was a good buy. Mm-hmm. It's not the best way to proceed, is it? it? It's really not. There, There is a fair amount of analysis that goes into this. We do look at balance sheets. We look at free cash flow. We look at price-to-book ratios, all of these different things. And we use that to determine what we think the outlook is moving forward. I think some of the names that I mentioned are, are – 
If any stock can be considered a no-brainer, and again, not a stock recommendation for anyone listening this morning, but if I'm out there looking and I'm saying, what are companies that I think will have higher stock prices three to five years Mm -hmm. from now? Mm -hmm. You know, some of the names I mentioned, I think, are fair shots. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, if you would like to dial in and ask some questions about maybe your portfolio or what stock you've been looking at, 855-767-3123 is the number to call, 855-ROSE-123. Yes, thank you. You know, I keep talking about recession and I and I and and we're going to we're going to spend some t- some more time talking about what that looks like. But I I want to talk about also the slowdown, the the economic slowdown and how that fits into the conversation of inflation. When our economic think thinkers are are our economic experts in the United States talk about inflation. They're most often talking about the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. And that Consumer Price Index has a number of components to it. So, for example, it's got medical care services. It's got energy. It's got education, transportation. It's got commodities. It's got food. It's got shelter. All of these things are not weighted equally. And if we're looking at the various components of the CPI and we're saying, what's the indicator that's going to give me a heads up that perhaps CPI is poised to come back down? If I look at this, I can see that housing is worth almost an entire third in the CPI calculation. In fact, housing is the largest component of the CPI calculation. So earlier in the show, I was giving you all these metrics that are slowing down in the housing sector. And I told you that these dominoes are lining up for housing prices to start coming down. When housing prices start coming down, that is a almost one third of that CPI calculation. If nothing else came down, the CPI would still would still come down. So I think that's going to be the next big thing. We're going to watch housing because that's going to be our indicator that inflation has peaked, has crested, and is Mm -hmm. going to start coming back down. And when that starts to happen, the Fed at some point will say, you know what, we don't have to be as aggressive with interest rate hikes anymore. We can slow down on that. Instead of doing three quarters of a percent interest rate increase, maybe we can go back down to half. Maybe we can go back down to one quarter. Those are the things that I believe will turn the stock market around and will make this downturn that we've had here in 2022 a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. We've truly just got to be patient. We've got to wait it out. Well, when you think about it, actually, there's a lot of things go that go into the housing market, even to building a house. You've got, Absolutely. Of course, you've got lumber, you've got uh, light switches, you've got everything, you think, you know, that furniture, everything really in the in the economy kind of is in that housing market in a way. Well, if you think about when 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 somebody signs a contract to build a house, you think about all of the different people, all of the different sectors, all the different types of stores and suppliers mm-hmm. that come into play for that. You're exactly right. We've got to we've got to dig the hole. Oh, sure. Okay, to pour sure. the foundation. Yep. Somebody's got to come out with some big machinery and dig a hole. Yep. Then somebody's got to come and they've got to pour some concrete. Right. Okay. And then they've got to have somebody else come and frame out the house. There's your lumber. Sure. Okay. 
Then you got to have somebody come hang the walls, put up the ceilings, put in the electrical. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And that's why if I'm looking at the components of the CPI, that's why that is such a big segment of the overall inflation calculation, because there's so many pieces that go into it. Mm-hmm. And if it slows down, everything slows down almost. I mean, a good significant, a large amount of the economy is, is tied up in that. Absolutely it is. Yeah. Absolutely it is. I'm, I'm looking at other components of the, of the CPI. And interestingly enough, if we've got people who are watching on YouTube, if I can figure out technologically how to do this. Oh, you got this. Uh, I am no good at technology. <laughs> Forgive me. You got this. But if I can figure out how to get my Zoom back up, Chris, I can't figure it out. <laughs> See, <laughs> Sorry, never mind. Um, there's a, I've got a big, um, it's, it's just a big block, and the block is cut into other blocks. And it shows, you can see it visually, housing is a full one-third. The next biggest piece of CPI is food. Well, mm. we know what's happened to food prices these oh, yeah. days, right? Yeah. That's a function of gas prices. So food's 14%. Transportation is 8%. Energy, which is where gas prices fall, is 7.5%. So I've just given the biggest chunk of CPI in those four things. I guess everything. I'm sorry. Everything else is small numbers. I I was going to say there's there's also the the climate factor, isn't there, a little bit uh, when it comes to things in California and the heat and, you know, the growing season and all that does kind of play into that as well, doesn't it? A little well, bit. it absolutely does. And then we've got other factors. We've, we've got the, the ongoing war between Russia oh, yeah. and Ukraine. That, that is impacting food supplies, most certainly over in Europe. It's certainly affecting energy prices over in Europe. Um, doesn't aff- it, those, those actions don't impact us here in the United States as much as they impact the Eurozone, but they, mm-hmm. they're definitely part of it. Gotcha. Hmm. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Let's take a minute here and have a, another quick break. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a minute. Stay tuned. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives.
There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. To talk to Dean Arnett, who is live here in studio with us today. We have to talk a little bit about something kind of important coming up here on the 27th of August. Um, Back 100 years ago, I would do this. I don't know if I would do this today. Um, Larry's going to go ahead and do that jumping off of a perfectly build, good building thing and repel for helping Haitian angels coming up here pretty soon. And that's an exciting thing. I'm kind of glad he's doing that. It's very helpful. I'm glad he's doing that. <laughs> that You know, I, I was talking to my niece just last night, and I, and, and I was asking her, I'm like, tell me what's on your bucket list. What are the things that, the wild and crazy things that you want to do with your one great, big, fabulous life? And she said, you know, i got to think about it. And then she texted me a little bit later. She says, I want to go skydiving. Yeah. And I told her, I said, you know what? I think that's wonderful. When I was 25 years old, had no kids, went skydiving, loved it. Had an absolute blast with it. That was one thing. Rappelling down the side of of a, of a skyscraper, n- no. <laughs> not, not your fun thing. Huh? No, well, I'm not even sure I would have done it when I was 25 years old. So it's 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 a pretty gutsy thing Larry's doing here, and it's for a wonderful cause. Yeah. Now we we had some pictures and some movies. I didn't get them on today, but next next week we'll have all that going, and you'll be able to see him do it from before and. And if you can help out, too, and helping Asian Asians is easy to find there on the web. And if you can kind of jump on and sort of sponsor Larry, that would be awesome. We, yes. would, we would love for you to do that to help help out those uh, those orphans. It's a, it's a very good cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much need all over the world. And that's 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 one of the things that I really love about our firm. We get out there and we do things to help underserved communities. Um, this is just one of the things. Larry's very active with uh, Youth for Tomorrow, which is a, an organization that helps children who are in crisis. Mm-hmm. They do a wonderful do a wonderful thing there as well. So, um, for anyone who's able, um, Google Helping Haitian Angels and sponsor Larry as he. 
says this wild thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in 855-767-3123 is our telephone number here. And you can uh, ask our financial and retirement expert here in studio any questions that may be on your mind. 855-ROSE-123. So for the time we've got left, we're going to talk about recession and what recession really means. I've already told you that the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Hoo-Ha, sorry, I'm bad with acronyms, National Bureau of Economic (laughs) Research. I love that. You know, I'm I'm bad with acronyms. Sorry. Um, They define a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, all different sectors of the economy. And it's got to last more than a few months. So we've got a lot of people who are calling for recession. We've got a lot of people who are saying, hey, we're already in recession right now. So I want to tell you, and and for those who are on our YouTube channel, I'll show you how we view recession and what are the things that we're looking at to determine whether or not we are in recession. So I think I figured out how to do this, Chris. Outstanding. Yes, you did. I see it coming up here. So we've got on the screen here, we have got what we call the anatomy of a recession. There are three basic categories of economic activity that we follow. We're looking, of course, at financial activity. We're looking, of course, at economic activity. And then we're also looking at some confidence indicators. And on this chart, if you're able to follow on YouTube, you will see that we've got a number of these indicators. In fact, there are 12 of them. And they're color-coded, makes it really easy to understand what we're looking at. Green is good, red is bad, yellow is cautionary. So if I look at these 12 economic factors, I can see right away there are two that are considered recessionary. Wage growth right now is considered recessionary, and it has been for the last four months. I've got these indicators pegged all the way through June 30th, so For the past four months, wage growth has been in a recessionary uh, in a recessionary mode because wage growth isn't keeping up with inflation. That's very simple to understand. Right. Mm -hmm. We've also got credit spreads down here in the financial categories. Credit spreads are recessionary. If I look at the difference between the 10-year treasury, the interest the 10-year treasury is paying, and the interest the two-year treasury is paying, I would expect under normal circumstances to get less interest on a two-year bond than I get on a 10-year bond. That, That relationship has been inverted. And when that is inverted, you may hear the financial media talk about the inverted uh, yield curve. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about an out-of-whack relationship between interest rates. And right now, that is trending recessionary. But if I look, everything else is either yellow or green. I've got six of my indicators that are fully expansionary. I've got four of them that are cautionary, could go either way. Retail sales, commodity prices, new manufacturing orders, and money supply. Money supply, what is that? That's the Fed manipulating interest rates. Of course, that's going to be cautionary because Mm -hmm. the Fed's raising interest rates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I look at this and I overall see that these 12 indicators, if if I look at them all together in aggregate, 
they're expansionary. They are not recessionary. And we're looking at things like housing permits, job sentiment, jobless claims, profit margins, truck shipments, yield curve, money supply, credit spreads, retail sales. So when we look to see and, and if we try to determine what the risk of recession is, if we're looking at these 12 indicators, I don't think there's an imminent risk of recession. There's a whole lot of green there. There's a whole lot of green on the page. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in fact, let me go to the next page, and I'm going to draw on this one a little bit because I've got some comparison. I've got some points of comparison here that I can Well, by the I way, just, just to interrupt real quick while you're doing that, 855-767-3123, or if you'd like to kind of see what Dana's doing, you can also go to LarryRosenthal.tv uh, on the YouTube channel. Absolutely. This is this is a great way to actually see what we're talking about instead of just hearing it. So what I've done is I've, I've drawn the red box around the current environment. The current environment overall is expansionary. I will say it's not expansionary in the way that it was last year or coming out of the COVID pandemic. OK, it is slowing down, but it's not negative yet. It's not contracting. If I go through and I look at contractionary periods. And I'm just going to draw a little green box around the 2007 to 2009 recession, the global financial crisis, the housing bubble burst, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. If I go and I look at the same 12 metrics during that time period, 10 of the 12 are red and two of the 12 are yellow. That is most definitely recessionary. So if I'm comparing time periods, if I'm looking at what our economy looks like today versus what our economy looked like in the worst of the worst, it's not not really a comparison. No. Yeah. And 2008 was not our favorite year. That was 2008. Our- well, as I said earlier, that whole thing started in November of 07 mm-hmm. and the market continued to spiral downward. Until mid-March of 2009, it was an awful 17 months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It took the market a bit to recover. I, uh, I don't know exactly, maybe two and a half or three years before the market fully recovered from that. But the good news is the market did recover. And what we've got going on right now, we will recover from this too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, listen, we've got some callers on the line. If uh, you'd like to grab a couple of calls here, 855-767-3123. Let's talk to Tina over in Bowie, Maryland. Tina, welcome. And what's your question here for Dina today? Yes, hello. Hi. Thank you both for taking the call. And, Dina, thank you for um, just being there. This has been great information thus far. So awesome. Thanks for listening. Around, or, or, oh, thank you. Um, my question is involving the 401K, as you were speaking about earlier. If you're currently already through my employer, I'm investing in my 401k and definitely um, optimizing with the matching and I'm contributing the most that I can um, for the year in terms of total contributions. If you have some excess savings and would like to um, continue contributing or savings in another way, perhaps I'm I'm interested in getting into the market. What's the best method uh, to do that? I mean, I know you can download apps, whether it's Acorn or do it yourself, or should I go through a broker? I think I'm just kind of looking for some direction on the path in which to pursue getting involved in the market a little bit more um, to, to capitalize on the things you were speaking about, buying some shares at a lower cost right now. How should I approach that? 
Excellent, 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 Tina. Thank you for that question. Let me ask you a question. How comfortable are yeah. you analyzing stocks and picking stocks yourself or even mutual funds or ETFs? It does not have to be individual stocks. Um, How com- I could do it myself, but I think I would prefer the experience and guidance of others. Um, I, I wouldn't mind dabbling in it, but I wouldn't want to be too um, risky on my own. I think I would probably have a bit more courage with the guidance of an expert. Well, then there you go. That's part of your answer right there. You don't want to go it alone. So you can try a couple of different things. First of all, you can engage a financial advisor who can help guide you through that. A financial advisor can operate in one of a couple of different ways. A financial advisor may tell you, hey, open an account with me and I will guide you on what stocks and mutual funds to buy. And they'll charge you based on how much money you're investing, and they may charge you a fee to buy or sell. Okay? There are also what are called fee-only advisors. You're simply paying for their advice, and then you go implement the advice yourself. You open up your own account online, and you implement the pieces of this financial advice that you feel most confident with. It really depends, Tina, on how you want to move forward with that. If you're comfortable learning one of the online trading platforms yourself, you're confident in your ability to actually make a trade, okay? You you can figure out or, or learn how to push the right buttons to buy the shares of the stock or the shares of the mutual fund. Maybe you just want the fee-only advisor. If you don't want to deal with that, maybe it's worth it to have an advisor open an account for you and do those things. Okay. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Thank you very much. I appreciate that guidance. Of course. Hey, Tina, I tell you what, we have some opportunities for you to go ahead and uh, give us your information and ship some things out to give you a little bit more guidance on that if you'd like. We'll put you on hold and Bob will get your information. Appreciate the phone call here today. 855-767-3123. Doug is uh, on the line over from Georgia. Doug, what's your question here for Dina this morning? Welcome. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, let hey, me Doug. Give a background on my situation. I'm an educator in Georgia, and uh, our health, our uh, retirement system is set up where you receive a percentage of your pay, and then that increases every six months by one and a half percent. I will not reach 30 years, so when I retire, I'll be getting about 46 percent, and then again, we'll get the one and a half percent every six months increase. My question is this: I'll be when I retire, I was born in 64, and I want to know when should I take Social Security? Okay. Are you able to live on 46% of your pay? Well, my goal is to have my house completely paid off at that point, so it would be tight, but yes. So I've got two answers to this, and you can pick the one you like the best. Answer number one is take Social Security at 62 years old so that you can get as much of it as humanly possible before the year 2034. And I pick the year 2034 because of one very big thing. And if you pull your Social Security statement down from the website and you read every single word they've written on it, don't just look at the numbers, but read the words. There are words that go something like this. The above estimate is based on current law, but if Congress doesn't change the law 
By the year 2034, tax revenue will be enough to pay only 79% of the promised benefit. If I say that a different way, by the year 2034, if nothing changes, Social Security is going to be cut by 21%. So if I'm not confident that Congress is going to do something to fix it, I'm taking Social Security as soon as I can because I want every penny before they cut it. The other response to this is, if you've got longevity in your genes, you may want to wait until a later age so that you have so that you lock in a higher benefit. If you wait until you're age 70 to take your Social Security, the benefit's going to be its greatest. So there's no 100% right answer to this. One thing I can offer you, though, Doug, if if you want, um, Bob can get your contact information, and I can run a report for you called Social Security Timing. It's a very neat report, shows you all kinds of different Social Security examples, and you can use that to guide your decision. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's put you on hold. Bob will get your contact information and we will touch base with one another next week. I am going to need you to download your social security statement and give me some numbers off of it. Thanks for the call, Doug. We really appreciate that. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Now, I just told Doug to go get his social security statement. What I didn't tell him was how to get it. So for anyone listening, write this down. If you have never set up a user ID on the Social Security website, you're going to go to ssa.gov. That is the Social Security Administration website. And toward the bottom of the page, there's a button that you can click. If you've already got your username and your password set up, you can just click that button and log in and download your statement. If you have never signed up for the Social Security website, you're going to have to sign up. So you'll click that button. It'll ask your social security number. It'll ask your name. And then it's going to ask you a lot of those really obscure questions that maybe you'll know the answers to and maybe you won't. For example, you had a mortgage in 1978 with one of these five companies. Which one was it? So you'll have to go through that that whole cycle. And it's a security protocol that they use, and it's a very tight security protocol. Once you get through their security protocol, you can go in and log and, and download a PDF of your most current Social Security statement. They have updated the statements. They look very, very nice. And before, the statements would give you only three numbers. They would give you your age 62 number. They would give you your full retirement number, and then they'd give you your age 70 number and nothing in between. Hmm. The new statement will give you your Social Security estimate for every age starting at age 62 and going through 70. It's a much nicer statement, much more planner friendly. I like that planner. But yes, but for anyone who is. Having that conversation about Social Security timing and when do I take it or should I should I wait? Should I go ahead and take it now? I will offer the Social Security timing report to any of our listeners who needs it. All you have to do is give us a call, shoot us an email, go to the website, request it. And I'm happy to do that for you. This is a very important part of your overall retirement plan. So it's good to have the data and, and understand what that trajectory will be for you. Okay, so if you'd like to do that, here's the phone number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. That number, usually when you call here, it's available on the radio show. But during the week, 
Linda and other folks, we like Linda and her snow globe, answers the calls, and we'll be able to get you directed to the right place there. Well, That's you, right. You just, just let them know that you want the Social Security timing report, and we will be glad to we'll be glad to get that put together for you. Can you believe it? We've already got to run out of time again for another one of the Larry Rosenthal shows with the RNet here today. It's uh, gone really fast, but if you'd like to dial in uh, during the week, please do so. Join us again next time, and don't forget LarryRosenthal.tv as well. Dina, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure to have you, and you do such a wonderful job. You've got a standing ovation there from Bob down in the back there. Well. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> I'm going to see you again next Saturday. That's outstanding. So we'll see you again next week on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll talk to you again next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.